Pulp MX Network production. You cast me, I'll complete me till death do us What's up guys? It's Alex Gray and you're listening to the Pulp MX wrap-up show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulp MX bullshit. It's quality, not quantity. Alright, man. Yeah, what's up? This is Darkside for the Moto X Pod Show. Welcome to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show, the number one moto wrap-up show in the industry. And I'm here to discuss this week's Pulp MX Show with a couple guests. But first, let me tell you about our awesome sponsors. Guts Racing was established in 1990 as a premier off-highway seat manufacturing company, offering high-performance seat covers and foam for motocross, supercross, even off-road competition. Guts Racing has worked with every top rider at some point of their career, from Steve Lampson to Jeremy McGrath in the 90s, Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart in the 2000s, and today with Rockstar Husky Pro Circuit Kawasaki and JGR Suzuki, as well as many others. If it's style and performance you want, you've come to the right place. Check out GutsRacing.com for info on the many products offered, such as the Phantom Light Seat Foam. And listen, you know all about Michelin motorcycle tires from the Pulp MX show. And now I'm excited to announce the Michelin Bicycle Tires as a proud sponsor of the Pulp MX wrap-up show. In 1891, Michelin patented the first detachable bead pneumatic bicycle tire. And to this day, Michelin continues to innovate and produce world-class podium finishing products for both road and mountain bikes. If you'd like to ride the same Michelin bicycle tires as mountain bike legend Cam Zink and the 2019 EWS champion Sam Hill... Then visit bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle products and follow them on Instagram at Michelin Bicycle. And of course, those who ride dirt bikes, motorcycles, ATVs, and UTVs know Motosport is the best place for OEM and aftermarket parts, riding gear, and accessories. Motorsport.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and have you looking good too. Whether you race on the track, ride on the trails, or commute on the street, make your next ride your best ride only at motosport.com. And I want to welcome on our new sponsor, Seal Savers. Since 1999, Seal Savers has offered the ultimate protection of the off-road industry. Seal Savers is the original fork seal protection, starting with the original Seal Savers to prevent dirt, dust, and mud from getting into your fork seals. Seal Savers has since revolutionized fork seal protection with their zip-on seal savers, making installation a breeze. So check out their full line of moto products as well as intuitive products for your side-by-side. Seal Savers is the original and the ultimate when it comes to protection. Enter the code PULP25 for 25% off at sealsavers.com. Hey, and don't forget to visit pulpmexshow.com for sponsor links and discount codes as well as the Amazon widget. If you want to be on the Pulp Mex Wrap-Up Show with me to talk about the Pulp Mex Show, or you want to contribute a question or topic for the Hello Pookie segment, send it to darkside at pulpmex.com. Okay, let's get to our guests. That's Darkside, everybody. He did a good job hosting. He didn't lock up or anything. All right, my first guest of the night is brought to you by Guts Racing. From 100% Goggles, Mr. Charles Caslew. What's up, bro? Not much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely glad. Uh, you know, I talked to you, I texted you a couple weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, about coming on the show, and you said, hey, you know, I'm going to be in studio in a few weeks. Let's do it then. And then I just forgot, basically, and had somebody else scheduled. And then once you were in, I was like, oh, I need to fix this. So I was, I was glad you still were up for it. I appreciate that. Um, but our next guest, he's going to be brought to you by Seal Savers, and it is the owner of Seal Savers, Mason Mills. What's up, Mason? What's up, Dark Side? Thanks for having me back on, man. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is going to be fun. Uh, I also, I'm going to be brought to you by Michelin Bicycle Tires tonight. Um, before we get rolling a little bit, uh, 
Mason, talk a little bit. I know you have before. Just, you know, what Seal Savers is doing right now, what's going on with, uh, you know, the industry right now and how, how the business is doing. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the industry as a whole has been pretty <laughs> pretty crazy for all of us in a good way. Um, hard to find parts and pieces and bikes everywhere, which is good for us. Um, we're getting ready to head into the Sand Sports Show, which is in uh, the Phoenix area this weekend. So if you're there, come check us out and say what's up. Um, that's more of like a UTV glamis type event, not necessarily like a moto thing, but it's still super cool seeing all the side-by-side cars and whatnot. So if you're out in that area, come check us out. Awesome. And Charles... Uh, I feel like 100% is always doing well. Uh, it seems like you've got about 80% of the riders in the motocross and supercross series, uh, you know, and so I guess I assume business is doing well. It is. It is. I think, um, you know, everybody in the industry was reluctant and scared, you know, March, April time, but May, June, July, I mean, stuff was just the biggest issue now is um, inventory. Stuff was just flying off the shelves and, um I think as an industry, all we can do and, and hope for, I guess, is that we're able to keep these new riders um, on two wheels once yeah. uh, the world sort of opens back up and people go back to whatever the hell they were doing before <laughs> they got they got motorcycles or mountain bikes or whatever. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, and I'll be honest with you, I kind of give you a hard time when I we I joke because you know I'm an ex brand guy and I work a little bit for Rich, but yeah. if if there was a reason the X brand wasn't around or that a hundred percent would absolutely be my second choice. I base a lot of what I use. And I've said this off the company, the people with the company, the people uh, like Rich Taylor, like yourself, you know, Jason Thomas with fly Mason with uh, seal savers. So I, you know, I, I base my opinion and what I want to use off the people that I know and the customer service. And uh, you've always been awesome to me and really cool to hang out with and visit with and, uh, you know, clearly it's a good product. So, uh, yeah. So, you, you know, I don't know if it means anything to you, but you'd be my second choice for sure. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think, you know, when you look at the guys that you have on your roster that I'm probably way down on your, uh, you know, worry about worrying about me, but still, I, uh, I, I really appreciate you and Mason, but we're going to talk about episode 441, uh, Justin Starling, Charles Caslew in studio with on on the line guests Zach Osborne, newly crowned two, uh, 450 champion, Ryan Dungey, and Ricky Carmichael is on the Pulpamex show, and then Oscar Wiederman was supposed to be on last week when I was in studio. He he apparently fell asleep, so he was on with Chris Betts. Really a fun show. We got a lot to talk about, and if you guys stay tuned to the end of this, there will be a new Hello Pookie. So uh, I'm excited about that. That's always fun. All right, so right off the bat, we had some video issues. Marks was struggling to get the video up and running, which is how I generally watch and do the show live. Castle in studio, was there any like mayhem? Uh, I'm sure uh, Marks was probably all over the place trying to figure it out or stressing. I don't know if you even realized it was going on. Uh, I did, but to be honest, they, he was pretty quiet. Both the guys got there pretty early, so um, it wasn't like a mad, mad dash, but he didn't start really getting stuff going, I, I guess, on his computer or the cameras or whatever until, you know, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 minutes before. And um, he was kind of quiet. And as we were talking and been tracing, he kept like he was busy. And then Steve asked something of him. Um, and he was like, no, I'm having an, an issue with the um, cameras. So yeah. then it kind of sort of escalating from there. Right? And then, um, yeah, Tits just came over and, 
started pulling on cords and stuff, acting <laughs> like he was going to help. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think he restarted his computer and he got it going again. Like, I mean, I think as we were starting, yeah, I think Steve even didn't know it was working yet. I think he even asked him pretty early on in the show. Yeah, first couple minutes. That the camera's not working. Yeah, yeah first couple minutes. Like I, I was, I was going. You know, I always go through YouTube, but then that wasn't working. So I switched to Facebook, and that wasn't working. And I texted Dune Goon. I said, "Is there something on my end? What, what's going on?" And you know, first he didn't answer. He was in full panic mode, probably. But they got it running. Yeah. The crew he has. Yeah, and you mentioned Tits uh, in studio, which he's not in every week. Obviously, sometimes talent is Mason. Uh, but Tits always he's going to run a tight ship because he wants to be out of there. Right around that five five hour mark, and he's not playing games. He's he's going to sh- cut the show off. Yeah, yeah I, think at one I, point I like he, it. When... He said he was going to just get up and leave. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Mason, did you notice that? Like, you know, he. I think towards the end of the show, he's like, "Hey, seven minutes left." Yeah, I did. That was funny during the tweet segment. The other thing that I thought was cool was um, I didn't catch the show live. Okay, uh, so I listened to it. Uh, like over the last couple of days, kind of here and there. But then I had a little bit of time to watch some of it on the YouTube stream. And I saw that same segment when they were kind of arguing back and forth and Tits was like, you want me to just leave now? I'm just going to leave right now. Right. And when I when I listened to it without seeing their expression on their face, it seemed like it was going to be another walkout. And so I was like, oh, this is great. But then when I watched it on YouTube, you could see the expression on their face and kind of tell that they were joking. So it was just kind of, it was funny to see the difference of seeing them in person versus just listening to it and letting my imagination run of what they're looking like. Yeah, I've said this before. It, it makes a big difference to me to watch it. I love doing it that way now, watching it on YouTube and, and being in the chat room while it's live and kind of communicating with the other fans. Uh, I think the video has just made the show so much better. Um, but also, I, so I guess you watched it on YouTube. Charles, did you get a chance? Do you ever get a chance to watch it? No, I never, I never do. I haven't. I haven't tuned in or watched live okay. um, since they even did that. And that was the first time I'd been in studio since um, they added that yeah. to the show. I think Steve mentioned that. Uh, well, uh, yeah, Cade, it was quite different. Yeah, Cade Clayson put a sticker on a few weeks ago when he was in on the back of Steve's laptop, and that's still there. So there's people paying attention to that, wondering how long that's going to make it. So that was that was pretty funny. I don't know if Steve's even noticed it yet. Uh, so I want to ask both of you. First, you, uh, Mason, the the dynamic between Justin Starling, Starling and Charles, I thought was really good. I thought they played off each other well. Uh, like, you know, not nobody really interrupting, had a lot of good info. What do you think of Justin and Charles together? Yeah, I thought it was a great pair. It just seemed like they've been friends forever and just kind of could bounce back and forth really easily. I thought it was easy to listen to. Yeah. And Charles, how, how well do you know Justin? Uh, not well at all. Okay. With you. Um, yeah, he, I've known who he is obviously for, for a long time. He's, quite a bit younger than me um so i was never buddies with him he texted me sort of out of the blue um and said hey i, I want to go do the pulp show and steve said you're going up like i can cruise up there with you and help you drive or split gas or or whatever um and i initially didn't have like i had a lot of stuff going on so i wasn't sure if it would work and then um it didn't happen until uh sunday afternoon yeah like we kind of worked out the details of me picking him up because he's He's staying in SoCal for a little bit and doesn't have a car, and there's a lot of logistics involved with this whole arrangement. But I don't know him. We got to know each other in the, the five-hour drive up there for sure. Yeah, well, I thought you guys did real well together. I think it was – I like having two guests in, you know, two co-hosts uh, playing off each other, and I thought it was really good. Uh, you know, and early on, Justin kind of gave us his plans for 2021 Supercross, which is going to be WSR Motorsports, Jeff Walker himself, and Jerry Robbins. Um, 
What do you think about that, Mason? That's dude, a, a team like that, those are guys are good riders, but I wonder where like their funding's gonna come from. What you know, that's it's just a tough gig to put a team together, three riders doing it themselves. I, I, I think it's gonna be a struggle, but it should be I would think it'd be a fun pit to go to and hang out with those guys because they're all pretty cool. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I do think funding will be challenging. Um, I think Charles even mentioned it on the show. Yep. Forecasting for next year is going to be super difficult. So I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. Maybe maybe Steel Staples reach out to them. There you go. All right, I like that. We'll put that together. Done. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's get into the meat of the show. Right off, you know, we're obviously Zach Osborne. Steve even said, like, you know, who isn't going to be happy for Zacho for winning this championship? Uh, a lot of talk about him being the oldest rider to win a championship. He's 31. Man, I don't even see Zach as, like, an old guy, Caslew. I, I just – I don't see him that way. Like, he's just one of the boys yeah. still, in my opinion. I, I completely agree. He um, He's a little younger than I am, so I've always looked at him as, obviously, a little bit younger than me. But I don't know what it is, just his, his attitude or his – you know, I mean, he's a little bit smaller of a guy. I don't know what it is, but watching him ride or talking to him on the phone or even saying what's up in the pits, like, at no point do you just think he's, like, older than everybody else, right? Or, like, out of place. Like, he yeah. just seems like he's one of the, like, he's new to the 450 class. Maybe that's it. Um, Could be. Yeah, something, nothing about him makes me think he's the oldest guy to win a championship ever. Exactly. You know, like I, I see, I like Justin Brayton, I go, yeah, he's kind of the old guy or Chattery. He's kind of the old guy, but then I guess they've got a little bit on Zacho, but man, yeah, just something about it. Let's, uh, there was a lot of talk about Zacho. Uh, we're going to play some audio right here. and We'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. This puts Osborne into a four title career now. Yes. It's, it's two, awesome. two of them are two of these supercars, you know, mm-hmm. that we don't necessarily always count, but that's pretty amazing for a guy Reg- that was forced to go to Europe. Regardless, that's yeah. awesome. Oh, yeah. And then you got 250, 450 outdoor. Like, you've done it all right. at that point. Yeah. I think the only thing he doesn't have is Supercross 450. Yeah. That's, a, that's an elite class right there. Graduating out of out of amateurs, though, people could see this coming, right? Like, he was that good as an amateur. He was solid. KTM, he was KTM's guy. But then if you fast forward into that first year or two as a pro, there's no way anybody saw this. I mean, Zach wouldn't even have saw this coming. No. I think I would maybe take his career path rather than someone else because traveling, well, I like to travel a I'll lot. I'll take Carmichael's. I think that this is going to help him in Supercross 21. Oh, he's going to come in the yeah most mentally ready for right. sure. All right, Mason, I'm going to go with you first. That last statement, uh, pre- more prepared for 21, I uh, I think that's a pretty obvious statement. What do you think about how their thoughts, the guys in the studio's thoughts on Zacho and what's coming? I agree with them. I think 21 is going to be really good for Zach. I think he's going to be on point per usual. I don't think he's going to be underprepared by any means. I think he's going to be overprepared, ready to go. Alvin's program is pretty solid. I'm not too concerned about him uh, for 21. And Charles, you, you know, obviously you, you had a statement on that uh, piece of audio there, but with, you kind of said like nobody really saw, would have saw this coming. And I agree with you. Why do you think that is? Because I mean, Zach's obviously a past champion. Um, you know, I, I kind of wonder sometimes when I think back, like why none of us really maybe said, hey, yeah, Zach should be thought of as one of the guys that can win. Um, specifically going into the 450 class, I, I think because it took him a while to, to win on the 250. Um, if you look back to, I mean, he turned pro in 2006, I think. Um, yeah. So to get to the point of winning, like he doesn't have that timeline to get comfortable and and become a winner and then ultimately a championship contender in the 450 class, he'll be, you know, 
40 by then or something. So right, right. Um, I think that uh, the clock was kind of up against them um, because most guys don't figure it out as quickly, usually. Um, and so, yeah, I think he, and I guess as, as a bigger picture of him just getting to a championship level period, not even talking 450, but even on the 250, um, you know, because those, those, that's so hard to see because those first couple of years were so bad, right? And then everyone knows the story about being forced to Europe and yep. um, all that stuff. Sleeping so, like, tent, when yeah. you, you you back up and you look at those, how things were going at that time, like it's really hard to see through the through that tunnel to to become a 450 super or 450 motocross champion. Yeah, and I, I like some of the things he said. You know, the fact that we kind of learned in the press conference that he considered not even racing and that Brittany kind of talked to him and they, they worked it out and he decided to race. And then he talked about that a little bit with Steve. And even, I don't, I don't even know that. I think Steve was a little surprised by that, which surprises me because I feel like they have a really good friendship, but um, I thought it was a great interview with him. Zach's always great. And we're going to talk about Zach some more here in a little bit when uh, we get to that segment. But uh, something else Mason that was mentioned and Charles said, you know, after we always hear, first of all, after you, you win one, they come, they become easier. And Charles was the one that said, you know, kind of snowballed into what happened. Is going to snowball into the future, um, into Supercross. But he's still going to obviously struggle. He's going to have the Eli, who's going to be probably hungry for another championship. Um, what do you think, man? What do you What do you think Zach does in twenty twenty one? I think Zach's got a pretty tough fight with Eli, like you mentioned, Cooper. Um, I think Anderson's going to want to come back strong. Kenny, of course. I mean, the list goes on and on, and I've, I'm really excited to see what happens next year. Yeah, can we say, as we always do, that it's going to be the most stacked field of all time? <laughs> go, go ahead and say it now. Yeah, of course. <laughs> all right. Um, Geico, man, big story this weekend, Charles. Geico folds. Let's listen to a little audio, and we'll talk about that. Look about, like, Shimoda finished. Okay, look, I, I haven't been the biggest Shimoda fan, but he's really turned it around the last month. And he did get third overall in the series, like in Supercross series. Trust me, it's amazing. But he got third overall. Mm -hmm. And I think Mumford's had a solid year. Mumford yeah. doesn't make mistakes. He's looks rode like, like a veteran. Yeah, rode like a veteran. Man, if I'm Honda, are, are you like saying like, hey, Phoenix, just can you keep Shmoda and Mumford? Like, well, why can't like, like say Shmoda go to Phoenix and then Mumford go to Michael? J-Mark goes to PC or wherever he ends up, right, you know, right, star right. or whatever. If I'm Honda, I can't go into Supercross 21 with just... Uh, Hunter Lawrence and Jet Lawrence because injury strike. Hunter's already going under the knife for shoulder shoulder surgery. Would you feel confident to bet that J Mark goes to star? Like enough confident enough to bet? Yeah. Well, I just talked to Peyton about it. That's why I, it, it makes total sense to go to PC. But yeah. um, Mitch is like, I'll put my own money in if I have wow. to. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. If I'm J Mark, and if those comments about them sabotaging my bikes, if I can get over that part of it. <laughs> I go to star. And they have a 450 program now in-house. All right, Charles, that was a – first of all, are you standing by your bet? Yeah. Yeah, the guy emailed me. Um, we got 20 bucks on it. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> you got paid. Good deal. Yeah. Um, the, 450, um, the 450 option was a really good point, I thought. You know, I didn't really even put that into my thoughts when I was – kind of going through everything going on this weekend, but that whole topic, right? Mumford, where, where are guys like that going to go? Shimoda, all these guys that seem to have hopefully bright futures. It's really a scary time right now. Steve's been kind of talking about it. all these guys looking for rides, and then with Geico folding, there's even more guys looking for rides and never enough teams. Dude, it's just, it, it's, it's kind of a scary time. 
for sure. Um, I think, as you alluded to, the the list of guys looking for rides is already as big or bigger than normal, maybe. Yeah. Um, and then you add in um, Geico going away. It's you know it just multiplies it significantly. I think the Lawrence brothers, as we talked about on the show, are, are going to be fine. I think they'll um, end up on Hondas, like kind of the rumors are floating around. Right. I think J Mart will be fine. I mean, he's a multi-time uh, motocross champion, so someone will find the money to make that work. Um, my bet, twenty bucks, is on Star Racing um, because, like you talked about, the I think the four fifty piece is a is a big part of it. I think um, because. As we talked about on the show, at Cowie, there's nowhere for him to go, right? Like, Cowie has Eli Tomac to win. Yep. They already put their money on Adam Santorillo as the predecessor to that. And then Austin Forkner is their next guy in line for that spot. Like, you don't just bump any one of those three guys out of the way to put Jeremy Martin into there, I don't think. So I think it would be a very short term or, you know, big bet on himself to go there, hoping to find a way to another team. Yeah. Whereas the star thing, I think, could um, have the potential of bumping up to a 450 because Bussinger's contract is up after next year, um, and then the rest of their program is pretty seems pretty loose. They seem to be able to add people whenever they feel like it. So. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting. It's a really – it was a fun thing to listen to Monday night, Mason – all this talk, you know, obviously Savachi was brought up leaving JGR and, and maybe them not really getting along. Uh, the topic of Dylan Ferrandis going to Yamaha or moving up to the 450s and what's going to happen with him and Barsha. Where's Tickle going to go? Where's Bogle going? Where's Hartraff going? Marchbanks had to go to Club MX. Uh, you know, coming from a, a PC ride, going to that, to me, that's not a step sideways. That's a step down. Uh, he seemed pretty stoked on it when i talked to him last night but there's just a lot of mayhem going on mason in the 250 class and it's going to be fun to listen to pulp over the next month or so and see where everything or all the puzzle pieces fall yeah definitely and i think maybe this will be the year we finally see someone take a chance on themselves like steve's been begging someone to do for a while now okay so you just said that give me somebody that you think like, give me the guy that to use the most likely to, to have to take a, a bet on themselves. Man, I wish you would have prepped me for this before we got, well, I just thought <laughs> got of it. going recording. I just um, thought of it. I think it'd be really cool to see someone like J-Mart do that. Honestly, I <laughs> think J-Mart's probably the best candidate to invest in himself at this point. Yeah, but I, I, he probably won't have to, so... He probably won't. You're probably right, but you put me on the spot. <laughs> okay. How about you, Castle? You got anybody in mind that you would like to see bet on themselves that could pull that off? Um, like a guy like Dino did it, you know, for a little bit, and Barsha was going to do it. But I think like these young kids, I don't. They can't do that. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think it works as well on the 250, especially for a young kid like Carson Mumford or Yoshimoto. Yeah. Like they don't. They don't have the experience to you know, really know what parts to go buy to put on a bike to build the most competitive bike. Like they don't have those people in their corner and, and yeah. all the years of running through parts and knowing people to contact. Like um, it just, it seems to work better for a 450 guy that has been around for a while and lost a ride. So then they, they sort of know what they're going after versus, you know, these young 250 guys that kind of don't even know what they need to be successful just yet. So I think it'll be tough. I think, um, 
for these 250 kids. They just got to hope they land on somewhere that has competitive equipment so they right. can earn their way back onto a, a good deal. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to shift gears for just a second. Charles, you were obviously in studio again uh, at the, the Pulp Mansion. Um, talk a little bit about being up there. You know, last, last week was my first time to do a whole show as a co-host, but I've been there twice now. Um, what do you, what's it like for you going in the studio? Is it something that you still find exciting? Uh, you know, like I'm a kind of a nerd super fan, so it's still exciting to me, but you have a tighter friendship with Steve than I do. So is it more just business as usual or, or, you know, what's it feel like when you're driving up? No, it's definitely fun. And it's something I look forward to. I just, I love racing and, and the sport talking about it. And, um, so, yeah, it's not just a normal cruise up to Steve's and hang out type feeling. Um, you know, you almost you feel like you have a job to do, right? Like he has a lot of listeners. Yeah. Um, and he his show is, of course, fun. And, you know, they joke about having video issues and he jabs at his guys and stuff. But ultimately, like deep down, Steve really wants to, to put on a very professional and, and pretty polished um, show each week. You know, he kind of jokes about how janky it is, but in reality, he really wants it to, to go smoothly. Yeah. Um, he doesn't like when they miss intros to <laughs> sections and stuff like that. Like, he, he plays it off with jokes, but I, he really doesn't like it, right? Like, he sure. wants it to be legit. So you almost have, like, a sense of, like, like you're nervous because it's supposed to be fun, but, but there's a lot of people listening. He has a lot of sponsors paying him money, and it's a serious thing, right? Like, he wants it to – he expects you to – to be engaged and not be looking at stuff on your phone and have good points and come up with questions. Like it's not all smooth sailing and, and simple. Um, it takes a little load off when you have a, a, a co co-host, if you will. Right. Yeah, um, absolutely. Cause it's not just all on you. I've done it. I've done it both ways where it's been just me. I've done it with another person in there a couple of times. Um, it's definitely easier when there's somebody sitting there next to you that uh, when he sort of signals to you, asking if you have a question ready for the person on the line yeah um, if you don't at least there's somebody else there that you can come up with something yeah that was some of the the criticism i i don't know if it was actually criticism that i got last week like a ray or maybe k texted me during the show and was like dark side you gotta yeah get in there say something but i was trying to be kind of wait right until steve pointed at me or looked at me because i don't want to be talking over or interrupting so i was sort of waiting until steve was ready and I think maybe towards the end, I got a little more comfortable where I would just sort of speak up. But it's more just, at least for me, I didn't want to make it, I didn't want to interrupt, right? Or, or screw the whole process up, the flow of things. And, and that, yeah. that can be a little bit stressful, stressful, especially when it's your first time doing it. Um, but, yeah, a lot of fun. Mason, anything, um, anything you, any questions you have about being in studio? Anything that you've thought of or that we could maybe talk about before we get into yeah. the next guest? Yeah, I was curious, kind of for either one of you, um, is it difficult to stay engaged for that five hours during the show? Because I know when I'm listening to it, I kind of get bits and pieces of it through the week. Yeah. So like if I, uh, you know, get distracted by whatever it is, I don't have to tune right back in. So is it hard to stay focused for that that long amount of time in studio? I'll let you go first, Charles. Um, for me, it's not hard to stay focused that amount of time. It actually goes by pretty damn fast. Um, what I struggle with the most is that Every time I've done it, I've gone, I get there early. Like, I don't want to stress about showing up late or something. So I'm usually there hours early or we're going to ride or do something before where you end up 
sitting down in the studio and talking for, you know, an hour or two or three even sometimes <laughs> before the show starts. So you lose track of what you talked about on the show and what you talked about off the air and what you talked about, you know, during the commercial break. Cause the whole time you're basically sitting in the same chairs in the same position, um, talking about the same stuff. Yeah. So that's my biggest thing is I always end up like, well, shit, did I make that point before? <laughs> Cause you're on the show and you don't want to sound like an idiot and say something that you said, right. You know, an hour earlier. So you're always like, or at least I do. I'm, I'm third second guessing like, Damn, did we talk about that on the air or was it before? I don't even remember. Yeah, I can see that. And for me, same thing. I had no issue engage, staying engaged. The time flew by. You know, when I'm like you said, Mason, when I'm watching it at home and I'm taking my notes, five, the five hours feels like ten hours sometimes because I'm kind of like I'm sleepy. I'm at the house. Uh, you know, Amber wants some time. The kids want some time. But when I was there, it just flew by, and I couldn't believe it, it was like time to do Kiefer after dark already. I was like, holy crap. There were so many things that Steve had wanted to get to or Kiefer wanted to talk about that they didn't even touch on because they just ran out of time. So, yeah, it flew by. Uh, good question, though. Um, I have one more, if you, oh, if you don't mind. Let, uh, let's save it. Let's save it for a little, sure bit, a little bit later. But uh, don't let me forget. Um, the first... The, or the I guess the first big guest of the night was Ryan Dungey, and I hate saying this, guys, but he bores me, dude. It's just not Steve's fault. It's not. It's just he's just not exciting to listen to. Mason, I don't know, man. Did did you feel that at all, or am I just way off base? What do you think? No, and I'm glad that you said that first. I didn't want to say that about Dunge. <laughs> I didn't um, either. um no you know he's doing a lot of different things so i thought it was interesting just to hear what he had to say the part that i really enjoyed was in when he was talking about his motivation to be that one guy like there was um rc and Stu and all that i thought that was really interesting to find that out as motive as a motivating factor but i'm so glad kind of like what we touched on a couple minutes ago that we don't have that one guy anymore yeah absolutely and i have a little bit of audio i'm going to play about that in a minute um, Charles, what do you think of Ryan? Um, you know, again, he had some good points, like the, like what Mason talked about and some other uh, audio I'm going to play in a minute ago. He had some things he talked about that I thought were very interesting. It's just something about him where he's a, either he seems uncomfortable talking. I don't know what it is, but it just I'm not excited to listen to him do an interview. Yeah, and that's that's just the way he's he's always been. Yeah, right. Like. Um, and that's just the Ryan Ryan that you get. I think I feel like he he has he's a little more or probably a lot more open these days. Yeah. Um, than when he was racing, but it's still the same like tone for sure, and the same like yeah. he almost uses the same words. Like yes. he doesn't have a big pool of big. Not I'm not discounting his vocabulary or his intelligence, but like he has a, like a pretty tight knit list of words that he kind of like. <laughs> phrases that he uses for everything sure right? like, so, so like when, when you're listening to him you're kind of like that answer could have been for how was the track or how was the race or how is your relationship yeah. with intense bikes like it all sort of kind of comes the double same a little bit yeah um, it's, it's kind of like what we say these guys are sort of cookie cutter robotic almost it's just yeah. it's your stock answer uh but i'm going to play a little audio some stuff that i was interested by and we'll, we'll discuss it a little bit more i really miss a lot of the races um and just you know i when it's on saturday it's kind of hard not to you know spend four or five hours in front of the tv <laughs> and i miss it you know i miss i miss the good times sure. and i think after racing you tend to remember all the the good times and you forget about you know all the hard times which, which is normal 
you were maybe thinking of trying to line up things to come back and race again. Where are we at with that, and uh, what can you tell us about it? Trying to find a good place, uh, a good schedule, that one that you know is looking doing the Supercross only, and trying to do it under my terms. And, and definitely, if we were going to go back racing, it was going to have to be a really it was going to have to be a good deal, a sweet right. deal, one that made a lot of sense for for me and my family and whatnot. And you know, there is a lot more risk than there is reward going back racing. And so, you know, I'm just a person that I like to kind of man. If there's a hunch, I like to look into it. And and it might have been a little bit premature. In the end, you know, it didn't work out. And, you know, it would have been great to see him at the races next year. And I think it would have been fantastic for the sport. But from one competitor to another, I just don't know that I could get on board with that decision and what the motive would be behind it. Obviously, I know the motive would be to go out and win. And uh, he's just accomplished so much. And I just go back to his, you know, his last season and how hard it was yeah. for him to win that championship. I personally believe in the last two years, the pace in Supercross, especially the 450 class, has just gotten so fast. Those guys are going so, so fast. And I feel that he would have been put in a position that, quite frankly, he did, he wouldn't have wanted to be in, whether it's right. quadding through a section. And <laughs> All right, so I probably should have – separated the Ricky Carmichael audio from the Dungey, but I wanted to get his response to some of the things that Ryan said. So, Mason, I'll start with you. Started off him talking about missing the races, which I like to hear. I like to hear these guys that, like him and uh, Villapoto especially, who we could tell were burnt out, to know that they still miss it now and that they're looking back with positive thoughts. I think that's really cool. And then I also want to touch on you know the fact that he's, hey, it didn't work out. He was going to come back. He talked about trying to come back to racing, and it just didn't work out with everything going on. But then Ricky's response to it I thought was really good. Like, he just wasn't on board with it. I, th- I thought all that was really interesting. Give me your thoughts. Yeah, I found it really interesting, too. Uh, I, there's something that's special about this sport, man, that just draws you back into it. You can never get too far away, and I think that's what, obviously, we're all here doing, talking about it. So I thought it was really cool hearing Dungey still interested. I was really bummed to hear he wasn't coming back. That's what I was really looking forward to, knowing that he was on the show mm-hmm. and was bummed to hear he's not coming back. So, uh, What about you, Charles? I mean, obviously you were in studio and you had some things to say about it. Um, but, I mean, you used to race. Uh, you know, you've been in the business a long time in the industry. Uh, it, it's, it really would have been – man, to, to come back, we saw McGrath do it, right? And it, it just – I don't know if you. I would say it tarnishes their legacy, but it it's sort of not a good look sometimes. Right. Yeah, and I agree. I, I don't. I was surprised that Ricky's um, sort of outlook on like his perspective, I guess, on the the 450 Supercross class. Yeah. The level being elevated. Like, I think a guy like Ricky, at least for me, I. I I assume he doesn't look at the guys racing now and think like, wow, they're better than I was, or they really raised the bar and got faster. I think most people look back, you know, think like, well, no, we were better then, or it's really about the same now. So yeah, like Bob Hanna. For him to, yeah, to have that perspective and be like, I think Duns would have been caught off guard. The, the bar has really been raised the last couple of years. Um, I was kind of surprised by that, but um, I think he's right. I totally do. And I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't see a guy like Duns coming back and, um, just all you know, yeah. after this much time off and being you know winning, so, no, that's what I, he wants to do, right? Like he doesn't want to come back and just be out there. So. Yeah, I totally agree. And he kind of mentioned that, and that's something I'm going to talk about when we get to Ricky Carmichael. Is 
you know, is the where they would be at how, their riding percentage, basically. But yeah, very surprised by Carmichael's openness with that. I thought that was interesting, also, and pretty pretty honest. Like it was cool to hear him say that. And we're gonna talk about Ricky in just a second. Uh, a couple more things with Ryan Dungey. Uh, he mentioned, or Steve asked him why he's riding Hondas. And I, I don't really, honestly, I'm not worried about that right now. What I, I thought was interesting was him talking about when he decided to walk away from Geico, which it didn't last very long, Charles. But, like, do you think, or you may know something being in the industry, that he kind of saw the writing on the wall with what happened Saturday and Geico closing the doors? And he was like, oh, yeah, I don't need to be a part of this. You know, I, I really don't know. And I've, I've thought about that. Um, you could also say the same thing about Christian Craig yeah. leaving the team to go to star racing. Cause that's been sort of a rumor and, and been in the works for a long time, like months. Yeah, so yeah. You think that, but I, I don't know. I, I, I think they might've known Geico is maybe on the way out or on the fence when Duns was around, but I can't imagine there's no way they knew Geico was out for sure. And that's why Duns left because, I know too much about the relationship with Geico and our, you know, position with the team um, to think they knew that far back. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, I think, I think no on that. Okay. Yeah. It was definitely something I thought about Mason. I'm sure it crossed your mind. Yeah, it did. I, I, I have no clue. The whole thing is weird. Well, yeah, definitely weird. Definitely something that's interesting to at least, think about but uh yeah, yeah all right sure. so and i thought it was weird i thought it was weird that dunge he was the first one to offer up the mention geico yep um about the bike and um i don't know if steve would get be bombed on me but one of the things before we got on the air to talk with dunge was that hey he doesn't want to talk about the geico honda relationship so don't ask him about that ah okay we're fine to talk about his we're fine to talk about his potential comeback and um the other stuff he's doing, but he doesn't want to talk about Geico. So it was really weird that Dunge was the one that mentioned it when Steve asked him why he's riding a Honda. So Yeah, true, true. That's interesting. That's some good insight right there, Charles. Thank you. Um, the last thing I think I have on Dungey is uh, and I want to thank my guy, my buddy Nick Stills, who is uh, one of the Discord listeners. He's been helping me out with some notes, and he brought this up, and a couple other people touched on, uh, and I think Mason maybe did too, on Ryan talking about motivation, uh, the championships. They were talking about Eli and going back into Supercross. I have a quick piece of audio, and we'll, I want to get your guys' opinion. The hype is the Supercross championship. That, that's yeah. the big one. Just being in those shoes, I think, you know, it's like he did it. Now now what, right? Like yeah. It's like, yep. okay, you got to find the new motivation to do it again. And what I feel, um, you know, he's in that point where, you know, you won the. I think you win the first one for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you win them all. You win them all because you know that's you know that's the goal. You got to yeah. do it for you know for yourself. But at the same time, I think the first one you win for yourself, and the second time you got to change your approach. And now, now it's now you got to look at the bigger picture. And mm-hmm. okay, we won one. You know, now now it's time to be that kind of. Um, uh, what really motivated me was just to be that. Um, the guy for the sport, who's going to fill that position. Okay. I not sure how I feel about this statement, Mason. Um, like I, I get the motivation for the first ones doing it for yourself, but I, and I don't, maybe this isn't what he meant, but like, I almost felt like he, he was saying there's kind of a lack of motivation to go win another championship. You have to find something. And I just can't, I've never obviously been an athlete at that level, but I can't believe that, motivation wouldn't be easy to find 
Like, you just want to win another one. Right. I mean, it's easy to say because we haven't been in those shoes, of course, but, I mean, he worked his his entire life to get to that point, and then he accomplished it. And then I think he was kind of going, well, okay, I got there. Now how do I do this again? Not necessarily like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'll try it again. But I think for, for Eli and Zach going into next year, I think that if they could get another championship, it would feel really good to back up what they did this year, well, yeah. especially after the year we had. Yeah, I agree. Charles, what about you? Did I take that statement wrong, do you think? Did you take it differently or just it just kind of – I don't know. I felt weird about it. No, I took it the way you did, I think. Okay. Um, but I thought – like I never pictured Dunge as the one – the guy that wanted to be the face of – Supercross or be the the sure. one that people looked at. I always, my perspective on Dungey has always been, he didn't care about that. He didn't want to do media stuff. He didn't want to be the the guy in the the limelight. Thing there caught me off guard, right? Because it's kind of opposite. Like he yeah. was almost saying he needed motivation to go win races, and his motivation was to be the spokesperson for the sport, which uh, I never saw that. Never never thought that the whole time yeah yeah you're right i actually you're a lot of those guys that once they start winning championships they seem they kind of want to pull back a little bit from being the the ambassador the face of it because of all the media obligations so yeah that was interesting that he said that um all right before we move on i want to thank our sponsors guts racing established in 1990 as a premier off-highway seat manufacturing company visit gutsracing.com for the highest performance seat covers and foam on the market and also, you guys know about Michelin motorcycle tires from the Pulp Mix Show. Now I want to tell you about Michelin bicycle tires. Visit bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle products. Uh, if you want the tires at Cam Zinc and Sam Hill Run, visit bike.michelin.com for details. And, of course, well, hey, Mason, do you want to you wanna do your sponsor read for Seal Savers? You want me to do it? Uh, I'll do it, sure. Knock it out. Since 19... 19- since 1999, Seal Savers has offered the ultimate protection to the off-road industry, starting with the original Seal Savers. Since then, Seal Savers has revolutionized fork seal protection with our Zip-On Seal Saver, making installation a breeze. So give us a call, visit us online at sealsavers.com, and enter the code PULP25 for 25% off. Way better than I would have done. Man, that's just straight off the memory, too. <laughs> that was awesome. And, of course... All the sponsors that support Pulp Nation, you can find at pulpmexshow.com. Hit the uh, sponsor tab. There's discount codes. There's links there. Uh, Fly Racing, of course, Charles, 100%. Um, you want to you do a sponsor read, even though you don't actually support the, the wrap-up show, but you can still do one if you want. Um, yeah, I don't even know what to, what to <laughs> okay. say. Okay. Because I can use the, the – I don't even know the Pulp Fantasy code, I don't think. Fantasy 25, I think. Dude, I don't even know it. I don't have it wrote down because, you know, the 100% hasn't come on board yet with the wrap-up show. But uh, feel free to visit 100%. What is 100% goggles? 100%.com. Yeah, 100%.com. Go go there. uh, You know, all the sponsors of the Pulp Empire, we need to support because we love Pulp MX. And although Steve is probably a multimillionaire like J-Mart, we still need to support Pulp Nation, support the sponsors so these shows keep happening uh, we don't want Steve to have to go back to wrenching. That would be not good. So, yeah, Pulp Nation, all the sponsors. Thank you. All right, next next up, guys, Ricky freaking Carmichael on the Pulp Show. 
when Steve is actually in studio, not when he's in Hawaii or wherever he – no, he was in Cabo, I think, when Weege was in. We got Ricky on. The beef is officially squashed, Charles, which we kind of knew it was, but super freaking cool to have Ricky on and just hear them being buddies, basically. Yeah, it was um, when he texted me. Uh, I was I was really caught off guard, to be honest with you. Really, I wasn't expecting it, but um, yeah, it was cool. And Ricky, Ricky was really good. I thought um, you can tell he's worked a lot on his um, just public speaking and uh, the way he phrases things and his vocabulary. And Ricky, I think Ricky's worked very hard on his his speech for. Yeah. The, the broadcast stuff. I think you're right, and, and it, you you've seen the change. And I'm going to actually play some audio about him talking about you asked him, or I think actually Justin asked him about coming back to Supercross next year if he knows. And I'm gonna, we'll talk about that in a second. But 100, percent if you go back and listen to old interviews with him, he's come a long way. He he is approaching this. I think Mason his. TV career and doing interviews and doing his podcast probably very similar to his racing career where he wants to be absolutely as good as he can and dominate and uh, it's it's impressive to have that kind of demeanor. Yeah, I think it's super cool that is that his work ethic has translated into this new role. Yeah, he obviously changed the game with fitness and the moto side, so it's cool. Maybe he's going to change the game on the. Uh, commenting and announcing <laughs> side. Yeah, it was. I think the the fans, from what I saw on YouTube and on Discord, were really stoked on him being on. Something that he talked about, and Ryan actually touched on this too separately. Uh, Charles was when discussing coming back to racing. Justin asked RC if he rides much anymore, and and Dungey kind of talked about this that like those guys. They say basically, I can't ride at fifty percent. Uh, and Ricky said, if I ride at one hundred percent, it's scary. I think Dungy's quote was like, I can't ride at 40 or 50 or 60%. It's just they have to be all in. And that kind of makes me sad a little bit because, I mean, again, I've never been that fast. But I, as I get older and I get hurt more, I, I got to back it down a little bit. But I still love to go ride. And it kind of makes me feel like it's not fun for them to ride moto anymore unless they can be all in. And there's something to that. right? Like, obviously, I was never it. <laughs> Dungy's level or Ricky's sure. level, but um, I, I struggled for quite a while after I, I raced with like, and I still do to some extent, right? Like finding the part of racing that's fun. One part is sitting on the tailgate, you know, talking with your buddies and hanging out. The the other part is when you're on the track, you know, pushing the limit and you know, making yourself have um, get out of your comfort zone and have fun. And if you just ride around it, you know half the pace like you're not for me anyway like you're not really accomplishing anything right like you're not having i'm not having fun so um it is a struggle to to find that balance of like going out having fun getting exercise um but just not being bored out of your mind just going yeah. through emotions um it's kind of it's difficult i guess i, I see your point because I definitely I'm not as willing to do some of the things I used to do, and then I do get a little bit frustrated with myself. So I, I guess I can see that. Um, yeah. But the, the the beauty of riding motorcycles is everybody's limit is where it is, right? So yeah, the feeling yeah. you get pushing it um, at your pace is, I think, the same exact feeling that Ricky Carmichael gets when he's pushing his pace, right? Like good point. Um, it doesn't matter how fast you're going; it's, it's that where you're at relative to your your limit i think and yeah um you know a guy like ricky 
<laughs> him wanting to go ride supercross because that's fun and safer. Like it just blows my mind. Yeah. I have no desire to hit a supercross triple. <laughs> nope. Ever again. I life. never did. So I'm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I feel that. All right. Let's let's listen to what he had to say about TV, and we'll discuss that. And then uh, I want to get back to Mason's other question about being in studio. Well, I thought I had a good performance in Salt Lake City, and been working at it and doing the best that I can. And and a lot of people's like, man, you really got better from the first year, the second year. And did I work on it? Of course I did. Did I study it more? Absolutely. Uh, but at the same time, man, I mean, all you guys know. Um, that it's it's just making laps, you know, making right. laps, yep. as, as Ralph would say. And <laughs> you get more comfortable, you get better, and you know what's happening, you know what to expect. And uh, what I will say what really helped me going from the first year to the second year is watching the outdoor races. Uh, one thing that I kind of like that kind of irks me, not really irks me, but kind of bums me out is when a rider gets bummed about my opinion on, on what, on, on what they did wrong. So, and I, and I'm going to be harsh. I'm, I wouldn't say I'm going to be harsh, but I would be doing my job a disservice and I would be doing, uh, the people that put me in that position a disservice if I didn't call it how I see it yeah. and yeah. really explain it. Okay. So we sort of touched on, you know, him getting better and working on that, which he, he talked about in the beginning, but Mason, the last part, right. Where he, this is what Steve talks about all the time with, with Pulp Nation, Pulp Empire, uh, doing, being honest, right. Saying it, how you see it, um, talking about it as a professional media and not one of the guy's buddies. And that's what RC's talking about. He does. He can't worry about upsetting the writers. And I think, that's what we want out of our announcers, right? We want, as a professional, ex-professional racer, we want him to give us his thoughts on what's going on from that point of view, but also be real about what the riders are doing or not doing or what they should be doing better. And that excites me for the future of, of what's coming on TV if Ricky really does start doing that more. Yeah, I think that's completely true. And I think it was really interesting to think about maybe RC got a little soft spot for Steve calling it how he sees it usually if that <laughs> nice. helps squash some of their beef. Um, but no, it was cool to see RC on the show. And I, I like when Steve has beef with someone, though. It's part of the entertainment is joking around. Oh, okay, now it's, yeah, maybe we'll get Jason on the show here in a little bit. Like, <laughs> I think that's part of the entertainment value of the show yeah. is when he has beef and then when that beef gets squashed with Barsha and now Ricky. Yeah, really, the only beef we have left is Jason Anderson. Uh, you know, I know Damon called in later in the show and brought up Ping, but I think that's a whole separate thing. That's I don't I don't even put that in the same level as these other beefs. Um, I, no, that's that's an old time friendship thing gone wrong. Uh, this is different. So, but yeah, Ricky being back was fantastic. Great interview, a lot of fun, and I think we're gonna see a lot of cool stuff out of them in the future, especially when Supercross comes around. They're in the same stadium every week. We may start getting a lot more Ricky Carmichael, and that's going to be cool. Uh, <clears throat> Charles, next thing I want to talk about is they go to commercial break after Ricky, and when they come back, Jason Thomas is on the line. And, of course, right off the bat, Steve says, hey, Ricky was on. Uh, got something I want to play, and we'll see whatever his thoughts is. JT, we, we, we just had Carmichael on the Paul Bumek show with me. On. How'd it go? It's good. Really good. Can we get him in studio? Oh. Uh, easy, bro. That I mean, would be come unreal. on. Uh, easy. Why he not? said he would. What? He said he would on Twitter. Like a, I, like, I seen it. Oh, that he did. Yeah, he did say. Like that on a Twitter. Monday after Vegas Supercross. Like, right. like we can make this happen. I'd like to get him and chat in. 
Stu, probably not. Oh but. my god, that be this three right here. <laughs> you don't have the servers, chairs, bro. You don't have enough server space. There too. It was weird hearing his voice on the air. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> and you guys were just acting like you'd been buddies for years. He he didn't want. I was trying to get there at the end of the interview about our beef a little bit, but he just zoomed past it. He he doesn't want to dwell on that. Yeah. Like champions that he is, like a champion. Yeah, he's that above he is. that. Right. No, he knew what he was doing. He's above that. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, you made it clear that he was the. You weren't taking that step. No. In Salt Lake. Yeah, I was not. No, yeah. I'm the JT knows I'm too stubborn. Yeah. You still you rode that home still. Right. Right, JT? Yeah, you're never letting that go. <laughs> never. No, yeah. Okay. I'm gonna give each one of you a question from that piece of audio. Charles, I'm gonna go with you first. Um Yeah, so Ch- Chad, RC, Stu in studio. Obviously it would probably be fantastic. Maybe too many people at once, I don't know. Uh, but never gonna happen, right? Never, never. Yeah. So. Uh, RC and Chad, I, you could have some percentage possibility there, but adding James to that, it's not happening. Well, yeah, and I don't think it's because of Chad or because of RC. It's just Stu's not into doing any of that stuff. He's not going to fly to Vegas to be yeah. on the show, period. Yeah, corralling Chad would be difficult. Yeah. Ricky, surprisingly, might not be the hardest one of the three, but then the odds of aligning Chad Reed travel plans and and calendar with james stewart with ricky so it's just not happening absolutely but it would be something to think about something Man, it'd be that, awesome it'd be yeah incredible. i think that like i don't love it when there's more than two people co-hosting like i think it's too many uh it but the rc chad reed thing i would be very excited to hear uh but mason the question for you is the last part about steve's stubbornness like do you ever see Steve admitting to be wrong or apologizing for anything? No. <laughs> okay. Nice, simple answer. I like it. Let's move on. That's all we need. Uh, so Monday night, they announced the winner of the Pulpamex Fantasy drawing for the Yamaha. Sorry, Castle, you didn't win. I didn't win. Mason didn't win. It's bullshit. Uh Dude, I I think well I'm riding a 15. You're riding a what year? 16 or 14? Kessler? I'm the 15 15 also. Okay, so yeah, so we both are in dire need of the e start. Um, hey, I'm on a 12. So oh shit. Okay, you a win. 12 what? I have an 06. I just put back together Honda. That's my uh, my baby though. Um, yeah, none of us won, but I do want to give a shout out to Ed391. Congratulations. I just. Another benefit of being involved with Pulpamex and playing fantasy, which is a nightmare and so much fun at the same time. But the coolest thing is how far this thing has evolved, guys, with Yamaha being involved 100%. I mean, all the, I actually won a pair of 100% goggles this year, Charles. Like, nice. probably around four or five. At one moment, I was number one overall, and I ended up dropping to 10th, I think. But, yeah, I... When when Marks texted me and told me I won a pair of go- 100% goggles, I was like, that figures. That's about right. But, uh, <laughs> nice. yeah, that was cool. I appreciate you guys being involved. I think everybody, as much as we talk about hating Pulp and Mix Fantasy, it's one of the best things that's happened. Uh, it's so much fun, really. So, very cool. Ed391, congratulations. Uh, Oscar Wiederman was back on this week because of time. I think we're going to just move on past. I thought Oscar was really good with bets. Uh, anything, Mason or Charles? I'll get, go to you, Mason. Anything you want to talk about with Oscar? Uh, not so much with Oscar, but Bet still owes me a case of White Claws. Okay, that's right. I forgot about that. We'll get that done. Um, cool. 
let's move on to the Race Tech rants because that that was some good stuff. Uh, Pulp twenty at Race Tech rant to save. I'm going to play just a couple highlights of all three of them, and we'll we'll each talk about one of them maybe. All you fucking idiots saying like Eli was shouldn't have passed Adam. And he was costing him points. And what are you doing? And blah, blah, blah. He's 24 points down, people. And he's Very hauling good. ass. Yeah. Now, if he had come in and cleaned Adam out, maybe you have a case. You shouldn't do that. But it's 24 points down. And Eli's going for uh, the, the moto win and the race win. And as we just chronicled with JT, like these guys are degaff about their teammates for the most part. Back it down, people. Uh, Eli Tomac's going for the win, and he does he does not care about Adam Cincerillo's championship points, especially nope. at 24 down. So, Charles, what's yours? Why can't we as a sport attract these bigger sponsors and then keep them interested? Even if it's not the same one, but, you know, it, Geico comes in and goes, and it's Jimmy, State Farm or whatever. Jimmy you Johns. Know, like, whatever. Like, came in. Yeah, they gone. all. So they come and go. They come. They get a few years for the most part. Right. And then they are a couple years. And then usually when that first contract's up, they they go right yeah. and we've had our fair share of ones coming in and samsung with you know michael holligan's team back in the day and yeah we've had them come and go but Sobe, we subway we can't keep it uh all right starling what's yours dylan i can't the, the, the dylan's tweets i can't stand <laughs> dylan's tweets like i understand he's a, I, I understand he's a huge fan yeah and that's awesome yeah. i respect that okay more yeah. than i can even like explain yeah. right the the AC should ride in the in, in that was bullshit. Th that was I mean I'm like is this for real? Is that this is the second place guy. For real. Right. The second place. That, that's did why. You, like, did you I, see that tweet? No. Oh, but like I like, even asked tweets. I'm like, or tweets. Uh, I was like, I don't. Is it real? Like the one that Betts quoted or whatever responded to about how he had to like we were yeah. talking about pull over yeah, and yeah. He's, he's AC there to help was Eli for the championship. Yeah, there was not AC was hired for nothing other than helping Eli win, and it's like. <laughs> No, yeah. no, that's not a thing. That's not how that works. He's hired. Yeah, is he paid less? Obviously. Yeah, but that's not why he's hired. He's hired to, to another option to go win. Mason, which of those was your favorite? I love the Race Tech rant almost every week. They were all good. What was your favorite? Yeah, the rants are really good. Um, I like Justin's. Just listened about Dylan. It's funny that he's still such an important piece of the show. I can't believe it. Yeah, I, I've gotten to know Dylan just a little bit through texting, and I, I've done some stuff with him uh, on here. And we, I actually did an Eli Tomac Superfan contest with him and another guy. And uh, Cran sent me some stuff to give him away, give away to the winner. And, of course, Dylan won. But uh, Dylan's a little out there with some of his thoughts, but um, how about the other ones, though? That was my favorite, too, I think. But what about – it's. Do you agree with Steve with his rant? In terms of what? Uh, that Eli was out there to win a race. The 24 points was – it wasn't like it was that close, right? AC and Zacco weren't that close. Yeah. Eli was trying yeah. to win. I, I, I yeah, agree. of course. Of course. I mean, if if a mechanical happens and Zach goes down or whatever the case may be, maybe the pit board goes out sure. to let Eli know. But in that case, no. Whatever happened, the way it played out was was fine. I think so. And Charles, obviously you were in studio, so you sort of had your opinions a little bit. Do you know much about the Dylan issue that Justin was ranting about? Um, not particularly like the, the tweets, because I don't follow him on Twitter, but I, listening to the show, I obviously know his his whole angle and his perspective on stuff. Yeah. And he is annoying, but I, <laughs> I truthfully still to this 
day, and Steve doesn't really either know how much of it is like really truthfully how he feels, and how much of it's like you know overstating it to, to for the shock and awe factor. No, like he, I, feel, he feels nobody, that way. Dude, nobody really seems to know, right? Like I guess you've got to know him a little more, but like some of the stuff he throws out there, it's like like no logical person really thinks that, right? Like I, I don't disagree with you, and I hate saying that because. I do like Dylan, like as a person, just busy with him. He's he's funny, and you know he's he's just a super fan, and he is he has blinders on for Eli, you know. And during the race, I was seeing people on uh, I was on the Pulp Fantasy had the chat room open, and I'm and people are kind of talking about that, like oh Eli's an asshole or whatever, and I'm like I kind of started wondering if I, I knew Dylan was loving it, but if the roles had been reversed, he would have been coming unglued. So I think that's interesting, right? Can somebody that's that blinded by their favorite guy flip the script a little bit and see the other side? And I don't know if Dylan would have. Um, that doesn't really have anything to do with the Pulp Show, but it was a thought I thought of. So, um, All right. Big guest, right? 2020 Outdoor National Champion, Zach Osborne. Fan favorite, show favorite, Mason how great is Zacho on the Pulp Show? Zach's outstanding. He's the best. I always love when he comes on. 100%. Uh, Castle, you have to agree. Nobody can disagree with that. Yeah, I do. I think Zach, Zach is great at whatever media, whatever, whoever he's talking to, whatever he's talking about, he's just, he's on top of things. He's, he's a good guy. I totally agree. I'm going to play some audio from that interview. We'll discuss it. Charles, are you with me in saying that Zach's WW450 race was his best race ever? Yes. Thank you. He doesn't agree. Don't, 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 that was good. Oh, Starling says same thing. I agree. Yep. That was good. Just the timeline. Maybe not the fastest or whatever, but the timeliness Just of the performance was. And, you made fo- it happen when you needed to. Following those two kids in third for like three quarters of the moto and being like, okay, watch this. I'm going to agree to disagree. What, what's, your, what's your vote? Uh, Redbud won. Redbud won. I don't even remember. Okay, well, then I guess it wasn't that good. It wasn't that <laughs> remarkable then. <laughs> I, I got... Yeah. Redbud won. Yeah, one one. Yeah, the results here. It wasn't bad. But look Fine. at WW. It was a one one, and it when it counted, and it was hot. Yep. Zacho, when you're in that championship mode there at Paula, do you like? Uh, so you're out there, right? And you know, you're you're you're. I don't think you're giving it your hundred percent effort, but you're you're trying pretty hard. But late in the races, do you start letting your mind wander a little bit about hey, what's that noise from the bike, or 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 by hearing well, something or anything like that? I said it in something in the press conference yeah. maybe or something, but it it's so hard. It's harder for me to do it the way I did it over the weekend than it is even for like a Vegas 17 situation where where it's a must win because yeah, you just you give yourself this allowance you know that you normally wouldn't give and it just kind of changes the whole game and, and it's just not not quite as intense or right. Yeah, did, uh, did you do anything different uh, on race day? Did you do anything different than you normally would have? No, I'm I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm superstitious, but I'm very, like, right. ritualistic. Like, every Saturday this summer, <clears throat> somehow we came across watching Saved by the Bell on Saturday morning. So we've been watching Saved by the Bell every Saturday morning. And I was actually nervous because my TV is uh, in my motorhome is set for uh, East Coast time. Yeah. And it normally goes off at, like, 11. So I got up at 8, and I'm like, dang, like, Saved by the Bell is going to be off. So what are we going to watch today, like, yeah. you know, while we're getting ready for the motors and stuff? And then somehow, magically, it was on. So I was, I was super stoked. All right, Mason. So morning of 
one of the biggest races of Zach Osborne's life, and he's worried that Saved by the Bell might not be on. Gosh, he had to have been rattled there for a little while. <laughs> I can't imagine the stress of that, honestly. That's so. Sorry awesome. to jump in, but it's unbelievable. I didn't know. I, like, I didn't know what to say. Yeah, he was talking about this. <laughs> that was great, though. But like, even even if let's say that was Eli Tomac's thing, right? He would never tell us that. Like, I no way. The, that was yeah, the, you're the right. best. Yeah. Okay, so there's a lot of good stuff in that audio clip, I think. Um, Charles, Justin gave us his reason for why the WW Ranch race was, his, in his opinion, the best one. You had agreed with Steve. This has been an ongoing thing for a little while. Why, why do you think the WW Ranch was his best ride or the most important ride of the season? For me, I, I think I said it on the show, that the timeliness of it, right, the, the rebound – um, after Millville, it was after Millville, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Yeah, the rebound after Millville, um, when things were, he was sort of on his back foot, still had the points lead, so it's not like it was, you know, desperate times. But to back that up after a, you know losing a big chunk of points and having the momentum swing the other way to put a you know definitive stop to it with a one-one performance at that time, to me that that. That makes the most sense for your best ride of the, the year. I'm, maybe he felt better at Redbud One, like with the race he threw up. But yeah, to him, I, I didn't even remember he went one one there. So, um, which was yeah, funny. I don't, I don't know. Which was funny when he said, "Oh, maybe it wasn't that good." Then, like he always kind of had like, <laughs> yeah, well, okay. I, yeah. If you don't I had to go remember. look at the results, I'm like Redbud One. Like I don't remember. Did he win? He must yeah. have won. Like yeah. obviously, he said it's his best race. But yeah, I'm thinking. As he's talking, I'm trying to think, like, did he come from the back? Did he fall and come back up? Like, and I couldn't, I still don't know why there's a significance on Redbud 1 for him. But That's the one that matters to him. And uh, Mason, the other little point that he made in that, you know, Steve asked him about, are you starting to hear all the little noises and dealing with that? And Zach kind of made the point of just racing. Like, I, the way I took it was <clears throat> trying to just maintain the championship, right? Make sure that you're not outside the position you need to be, not necessarily pushing all the way uh, to win, just just trying to get through the race where you need to be was more difficult for him. Uh, I guess mentally that would be pretty stressful. What did you think of that comment? Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Um, I can agree with him and can understand, I guess, where in a must-win situation, you only have that one thing you're thinking about, and mm -hmm. that's all you're focused on for those, you know, 35 minutes of that moto. But once you start, okay, I just got to relax. That 35 minutes is probably the longest 35 minutes of his life. Yeah, dude, I can't even imagine. Uh, Castle, have you ever been in a, in a situation like that in, like, a, a amateur championship or anything like that? Um, no, not that I can think of off the top of my head, but you – at even or at least I've had that situation with like specific races, maybe like a like a big money race or something where, you know, the laps are counting down and you know you're in a good position and you start sort of stressing on the dumbest little things like oh, you feel like you have a flat or whatever, um, but definitely not at that level, but a similar situation. Absolutely. Um, all right, Mason, let's jump back to your question about being in studio pulp show or something that you were thinking about. Yeah, I was just curious um, for either one of you if you guys got nervous talking to any of these big name guys like Ryan or or um, RC. And then I was also wondering what your guys' favorite piece of memorabilia in studio is. Oh wow, okay. I'll let you go, Charles. Um, talking to those guys, not particularly, and maybe I'm a little jaded 
to it because I, I, I know Don fairly well, um, and I know Zach pretty well. Ricky, I, I dealt with um, at the RCH team through different companies I worked for. So I'm not, I don't say like he probably doesn't know who I am, but the other two, like we're on a first name basis when we see each other. So not so much on that. Um, now, if Damon Bradshaw called in, I would have been nervous. Yeah. Um, and then memorabilia. Um, <laughs> you know what? It's going to be the Tony Alessi contract that Tony wrote on a piece of paper and gave to to Steve um, when they had their big blow up over Lasergate. And then Steve saw him in Canada. I think is where the the contract came from. Right. Yeah. But I think it's I think it's hilarious. It's unbelievable. There's so much and stuff. Steve, they've they've buried the you know hatchet and Tony and Steve are all good now, but it's still framed in the studio. Yeah, that's. Pretty, I know that's not the, it's not the memorabilia answer you're looking for, but I think it's hilarious. No, I think that's that's really cool. There's, it's because that's more of a, I, would, I guess like a B side or a, a, a deep track. If you're a music fan, like it's not the one I was gonna pick. So, but I'll, I'll answer. My for me, it's I'm not uh, nervous or whatever talking to those guys anymore because luckily over the last three years I've had a chance to meet most of them, including Bradshaw, who I was initially nervous about. Uh, I got a chance to talk to McGrath a few times and get to know him a little bit. Those guys that were and still are my heroes. Uh, so, no, I don't feel that way anymore. I've kind of realized. I, and I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll give you a little backstory. I think it was Zach that made me the most comfortable probably. Uh, I think year two of doing podcasting or whatever, I had met him at Dallas, which was 2018 or 19, I think I met him. And like two weeks later, I was in St. Louis and I was sitting in Chad Reed's truck with Goose, talking to Goose, and Zach was walking through, and he saw me, and he turned and came and said hi to me. Like, hey, man, you know, he'd, he'd remember meeting me a couple weeks ago and said hi. And I was like, okay, these guys are just, they're normal dudes, they're, and they appreciate you not kind of fanboying out, and it, I, I think I've gotten really comfortable with, with them. And, and it's still a little bit weird sometimes when I think back that I have McGrath's number or I have Bradshaw's number. But I, I don't feel nervous anymore talking to him. That's cool. It's funny. I was around uh, McGrath this weekend at UTD World Championships. We had a booth out there. Yeah. And I wanted to talk to him so bad, but I just couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't muster up the courage to do it. <laughs> He's the one of the coolest human beings ever. So, and that one. Yeah, I, I would be nervous talking talking to Jeremy too. To be honest with you. Yeah, I, I worked that out with um, Vanessa with Kawasaki. She's Kawasaki's PR person. And I, I was trying to get him on a show that we won't name. And she's like, okay, I'm working on it, I'm working on it. And she kind of had texted me and said, he just, you know, he doesn't really know who you are. And so it's going to take me some time. And this was like a week before MX Nations at Redbud. So while I was up there, I was like, hey, just give me a chance to, to meet him real quick if you can. Let's try to do an introduction. Well, all day he was so busy. There's so much going on. She just couldn't make it happen. And I just happened to be walking through the pits and there was a huge group of people around somebody and there's MC. So I just kind of walked up and I waited my turn. And I said, Hey man, I'm dark side for the Moto X pod show. Vanessa was trying to get us together and he goes, Oh, okay. Yeah. You're the guy from Texas. And I said, yes, sir. And that was it. Like five minutes later, she texted me and she said, he's in. So I was nervous at first, but then like now, whenever I see him, he always remembers me and just, just a cool, Dude, you should have said you, you missed your opportunity, man. You should have went and said hi, Mason. Yeah, I know. I've been kicking myself all week. But I, I'll give you—we're off topic, but whatever. Sorry, Steve. 
I was super nervous in, it was either 16, I think it was 2016 when I first met Steve before I was doing any podcasting of any kind. And I stood outside the PC truck at Dallas waiting. He was sitting with Weege and Mitch at the door of the truck talking. And I just stood there, I bet for 20 minutes waiting to meet Steve. And I was nervous. And then Steve came up and met me. And yeah, I was definitely, I've been there though. So I get it. You know, I've, I've been, I'm still a fan. I get it. But I just very fortunate, I think, like Charles to be in the industry a little, I've been in a little while and have met most of these guys. And they're all just, I haven't met any assholes yet. I just haven't. How about you, Charles? You met any assholes in the industry? Um, yeah, of course there are. I can't <laughs> think of any any specifics off the top of my head. I like some sometimes um, some agents or things will they'll kind of bum you out the way they do business or want to do things. But for the most part, sure. everybody's pretty pretty good, right? I mean, we're all in this for the same reasons. None of us are getting rich, except maybe Mason. <laughs> um, but the rest yeah, of yeah. us are because we love it. Absolutely. Um, hey, Charles. So, what was Pookie Snacks for your show? What did you get? Um, dinner was Chipotle because they know I love Chipotle. Okay. So that's usually a given when I'm there. Um, and then she made these really good cookies for the second commercial break. They were like these oatmeal chocolate chip things yep. that were clearly homemade. They weren't store bought. I think and then the, we also got uh, coffee for the beginning of the show as well. Okay, yeah, I think those are the cookies that she talks about that she makes when Daniel Blair's in too, because he likes peanut butter. If I recall, I got some of Steve's birthday cake, which he didn't really want to share with everybody, but I think Pookie made him. So that was <laughs> that was my Pookie snacks. I didn't really realize until a while back that Pookie snacks changed. I thought it was something specific, and I didn't also realize that it was break commercial too. Is when you get Pookie snacks. Um, yeah. I learned that Monday night when I was in, cause I going into first break, I was like, Pookie snacks. And Kiefer's like, no dude, second commercial, chill out. So oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah what's so that? I, she made us like ice cream sundaes or something really a long time ago. Like man, ice cream scoop and chocolate and yeah, man. It, it varies every time. I think it depends how long her day is Steve um, at work. Steve just, man, he is so lucky. She's so good to him. And he, you know, she goes and gets the Starbucks and she's working during the day and taking care of her, all the needs for the show and all the guests. It, it was awesome. And I, for dinner, yeah, we got firehouse subs, which I had never had firehouse subs. I, and I was, I thought it was fantastic. So pretty cool. Yeah. And that, that's probably a detail. A lot of people don't know. Cookie works full yep. time, right? Like she yep. has a normal job. And so she, the show starts at five, right? Yeah. Five o'clock. Five so at time. She, like she, you know, was just getting home right as the show was starting with some coffee just to be nice and give us something. Like we text the order over to her and then, you know, she's literally just walking in the door with it as we're going on the air. And then she's ordering dinner and then she's making the snacks. Like, um, she has a lot going on. And then she does a lot of, you know, you get there in the refrigerator stocked with water and energy drinks and stuff that I assume Pookie does before, you know, that morning or whatever. Like a lot of little things that yeah. she does to help helps for sure absolutely okay a couple more things to touch on um with zach osborne you know steve's been trying to get in zacko's motor home for i don't know a year at least i don't know and apparently he's finally going to get to stay there in supercross so congratulations to steve whenever that happens that following monday night 
Mason, I think there's going to be some good stories, one way or the other. It, it may be exaggerated. It doesn't matter. I think that's going to be good for the show. I think it will absolutely be exaggerated, and it's going to be great. <laughs> Perfect. All right. So, um, as always, I called in. Steve gave me a little shit. Um, I've got one piece of audio, I and I'm going to tell you guys, I didn't hear this because I got I hung up. And then I walked back to the bedroom to turn the laptop back on. And so I missed probably a minute or so. So this piece of audio will live in infamy, but I'm going to play it. And I was super stoked about it. That's Dark Side, everybody. He did a good job hosting. He didn't lock up or anything. Finally, a compliment, Charles. That may be the first one ever from Steve for me. Yeah, they're not, they're, they're not easy to come by. Well, <laughs> yeah, it really depends on who you are, I guess, but... I, I kept seeing people like I was getting texts and I saw some stuff on the, the chat room like, dude, a compliment. But I didn't know. I was like, maybe I missed it during my call. Like he said something nice and I just didn't hear it. So then when I was re-listening, actually this morning was the first time I heard it that when I was listening to that segment. And I was like, oh, wow. OK, awesome. I will save that. And that's going to have to go into Marx's drops. Um, hey, Dark Side. Yo, how many times? How many times have you listened to that same little clip today? <laughs> well, I would say probably like five, <laughs> but that was because it. I was cutting it and getting it in here. It's also at the beginning of the show before I introduced you. Just since you guys didn't hear that, so it's in the show twice. I've probably heard it five times. I, I'm content. Nice. I'm content now. But that was a good question. Good. Um, all right. Once again, the employees of Pulpamex shit on Steve. What, what are you talking about, tits? Was I the only one who heard it? What? Travis. What? I didn't hear it. He wasn't listening. It's was $209, and yes. it's 168 if you use the I code. I thought you said you 268 said Yeah. Okay. Yes, so yes, I was yes, sitting yes, here, yes. and I was like, the, they're, the they're price overcharging? more with your discount? Like, with your code? I was a little... You said 268 I and That's I, how you get your money back Steve, when you're an investor. I'm so thankful to be here, but you did say that. Okay, that's fine, but again, hey, some support. You know what? So, from, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Some support I'm sorry. from the crew would be I great. Have, I shouldn't have gone down that route. I'm sorry. Tits, I got you on that one. I how, heard it. How about in our fucking Slack, you go, excuse me, Mr. Mathis, you said 268. And I would, you know, maybe correct that for the listeners. How about will, that? Will you look instead in, of just chuckling? Will you look slack? <laughs> Excuse me, Mister. He made Rapid. a mistake. Ha ha ha! That's what. That's basically what it is. Ha ha ha! Sorry. So okay. So you're Sorry. right back with those guys. Got no. it. No. Okay. In Perfect. Slack, I said the code costs more, and then how about? Excuse I me, Mister Mathis. Chuckled. I'm sorry. Excuse me, Mister <laughs> Mathis. Could you please correct that? That's w all. Would you like me to leave? No, I don't want you to leave. Okay. But because like if you're gonna fire me, like I'll go. Like it's fine. Just I mean I don't want to lose my job, but tighten it up. Okay, I'm sorry. Ride engineering use pulp code pulp fan twenty. Steve messed up the read. Tits called him out, Mason. Okay, I love the interviews. I like getting the info, but this right here, this is why pulp is so great. It, again, we'll always reference Howard Stern. It's the the inside stuff. That makes this so freaking good. The jokes, the the friendships, the bench racing, the busting the balls. This is why I listen. I mean, I can listen to other podcasts about moto, but this is why Pulp's my favorite. Yeah, definitely. This is what I really enjoy about Pulp is listening to the 
And so these guys go back and forth. And I know we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, but watching on YouTube versus just listening to it, <laughs> right. it was such a different, you know, perspective. And so um, it was really cool to see it live and in person. So if you haven't seen the YouTube stream, I'd really recommend checking it out. Charles, in studio, uh, uncomfortable, funny? What, what are your thoughts at the moment while this is going on? It's funny, um, but you also – you don't know like how serious he is. Like I assume it's all just a big joke and ha 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 kind of for the show. But like, you know, he, he doesn't waver from it. Right. Like it's not like when you get off the air, he's like, Oh, I'm just kidding. Or, Hey man, that was just for fun. Like, I don't know. He kind of like leaves it at that. Right. So it's hard to, it's hard to grasp. And he does the same thing every Monday night. So I don't know. It's (laughs) it's funny. You mentioned that because, when we went off air, after everybody left, Steve and I were up in upstairs in the uh, the kitchen, and he actually did tell me how he actually feels about it. But I'm not going to share that because I don't think that's fair, and I think that would uh, – I don't know. I just want everybody to wonder. So I'm not going to share what he said to me. So I'll, I'll tell you two guys off air if you want, but, yeah, not on the show. Okay. I had a couple more pieces of audio that I'm going to skip. Um, I do want to touch on the, the, the content, though. Yamaha moving to Florida. Uh, Charles, you kind of talked about it a little bit. Mason, uh, you're in a business. Uh, you're, st- you're based out of the uh, West Coast, right? Yeah, Southern California. So do you see where that would be beneficial to get out of Cali? 110%. <laughs> will that – do you see that hurting a business, a team like that? I, I mean, I can't imagine it will. I think that would be nothing but positive, uh, probably better tracks, better dirt. Yeah, I think maybe initially financially, but other than that, I I don't know. I couldn't see it going wrong. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Um, Charles, what were your thoughts when Steve talked about Chad paying everybody a championship bonus but Steve? Like, is that legit? That really happened? He paid everybody but Steve, and why? It is. It is legit. I think it's funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. I just Steve. The details are a little fuzzy. Okay. Now. Like even to himself, like he doesn't. He's like, ah, maybe it's six grand, maybe it's two grand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Four grand. Like, <laughs> I, I really think it happened. But I really, I really think he has no idea how much it was. It might have been six hundred bucks, and he's sure. like six grand. I don't know. Like, um, but I think, I think it's funny and it's cool that he is at a place now in his life where he doesn't care. Like, he thinks it's funny too, um, and I think Chad thinks it's funny as well. Anytime it's mentioned, yeah. Um, Can you imagine? And, and to be go ahead truthful, he probably deserved it. Like, I assume knowing Steve and his hard hard headedness, um, he there was probably something there that he wouldn't give up on or wouldn't back down from. And Chad, as super strong headed as well, very um, probably didn't like it. So here we are. That's what you end up with. Man, can you imagine being if uh, if it went down that way? No matter how much it was, the only guy that doesn't get a bonus and how that would feel in the moment. And Steve would not in the moment or now say, "Yeah, I was a little butt hurt." I don't think. But it'd be almost impossible to not be butthurt. Either one of you. I I agree. (laughs) Crazy. Um, Okay, the other piece of audio I was going to play was the discussion on Paula versus Glenn Helen. Uh, Charles, you kind of talked about it. Mason, neither one of those tracks is fantastic. Uh, I thought the track at Paula on TV looked like the worst track all year. Zach laughed when I said that in the press, press conference. Just as a fan, would you rather them be at Paula or Glen Helen? 
Um, as a fan, I'm not live at either one, so it doesn't make too much of a difference from sitting on the couch watching the race. Um, but I think the spectacle of Glenn Helen is just such a staple of the sport, so I want to see that over Paula. But as a fan wanting to go to a live event, I'd probably rather go to Glenn Helen than I would Paula. Okay. I've never been to Paula, and I've only been to Glen Helen twice for the Vet Nationals. Uh, once where I saw – I actually, I think it might have been the first time I met Charles. Um, so I, I think as far as just watching it on TV, I would go with Glen Helen. But, yeah, both of them are pretty crappy. <laughs> uh, all right, we're just going to blitz through a couple things. The last things that if you guys have not listened to the Pulp Show all the way through, some pretty cool topics were talked about. Jason Thomas talked about Dylan – uh, and some issues, you know, hardships he may have moving to the 450s. Uh, there was a lot of discussion on teams finding sponsors, TV time, that kind of stuff. You guys, check that out. Christian Craig, Steve mentioned uh, maybe going to 450s. That's, that's actually something that may happen with Star. And Steve kind of brought up no media going to hanging out at the Star Truck. All some pretty cool little topics that were talked about that we are not going to touch on the wrap-up show you just if you haven't listened to the show yet, the Monday show, you got to go check it out. As in, as uh, you do every Monday. Once again, I want to thank Seal Savers, Guts Racing, Michelin Bicycle Tires, and Motosport.com for all coming on board. Uh, anything else, Mason, that you'd like to discuss or talk about before we wrap this thing up, Mason? No, I'm good. Dark Side Pulp 25 gives you 25% off of our website, SealSavers.com. All right. Uh, Charles, how about you, man? Anything that you uh, stood out Monday that you want to touch on or anything you want to say before we close it? No, I think think we're good. Well, guys, I, I know uh, it, it takes a lot of time to do this, and I appreciate you guys spending some time helping me out. Uh, I appreciate it. It means a lot. Everybody that's still listening, stay tuned for Hello Pookie. And if you have any questions for further Hello Pookie segments or anything you want to contribute to the show, hit me up, uh, darkside at pulpmex.com. Other than that, it's a wrap, and we're out of here. Hello, Pookie. What's up? It's Chad Reed. Okay, fellow jerkies, find a nice, quiet place and get comfortable. It's time for Hello, Pookie. She loves new kids on the block, Howard Stern and Adam C. and Cirillo. She's Pookie Mathis. Hello, hello. On Pulp, you said you were studying. Studying for what? I don't even remember this. You know what? I remember uh, saying that, but I was said I was going to study for the tits versus tits. I meant I was oh. going to review the re- the race results, but okay. I didn't. St- okay, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, <laughs> that well, that's why I missed it because I was. I, I think if I had thought you were like going to college for something, I would have probably focused in on that. Oh but, man, yeah, it's just not for me, guys. I right. mean, a lot of a lot of, some people I went to high school with in college are going back to school now, and they're like so proud of themselves, and and I think it's so cool. And they're like, I took my first exam, and and I remember when I was in college, seeing older people in school, and you know, thinking good for them, like they're doing it, but thinking of, for myself to go back to school, like. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah. if Steve needed me to help with the business or something and I had to learn something, I probably would. But otherwise, like, I don't know, a higher education is just, I'm just not interested in. I don't blame you. My, I don't, don't want to yeah. say I'm not interested in learning anything, but like, I'm really not interested in kind of learning anything that I. <laughs> I'm with you. I, I hey, don't feel bad. <laughs> if Amber... I do, I'll find it on YouTube. I'll learn what right. I need to learn on YouTube. Yeah, Amber's going to school online while working, and I'm like, ugh, no. She, she, I just texted her a little while ago. I was like, hey, when you get off, let's go eat. Oh, I have an exam tonight. I'm like, damn it. Yeah, Your stupid geez. school's affected uh, me now. 
and in my way of my life. Yeah, but she she could say, well, you, you're doing podcasts three nights a week while I'm sitting in the house waiting on you. So, yeah, so she's trying to better herself. That's good, but I'm out on school. But you you mentioned, though, okay, let's say tits versus tits. Um, what do you th- what do you really think about that segment? Because you get really embarrassed. Um, it, it, you get upset. Uh, so maybe some yes, because I think that people are going to think that I'm stupid, right? Which so I don't like. We're so, back yeah, on the insecurity thing again. But <laughs> you, you, I definitely don't think I don't see how anybody could think you're stupid for not knowing. Just because you're married to Steve Mathis and you, you know, you have your favorite riders, we know that you don't watch like the races you know, over and over and focus on everything. You don't know all the details of the sport. You're just, you know, you're not that into it. So I don't think anybody could think you're stupid. It's very, it's funny to us listening. I I was hoping that we could have, I could have texted you the answers while you were doing that, but that didn't work out. Um, but it's, it's an, it's a very funny segment. I, I think people like it. Uh, again, I, I hate that you get so upset over not doing well. I know. But I do I I don't mind doing it because I know that it's funny. So like I know the the risk of looking dumb or people thinking that or whatever. For the yeah. most part, I think people are going to think it's funny because we really don't know that much. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> it's funnier that tits doesn't know um, because you know I guess stereotypically I'm thinking all right he's a dude he he works on the pulp show he should know what's going on. Um, you know I don't expect yeah. you to know. As much, uh, I, I like that you got AC's girlfriend, fiance, uh, girlfriend. I guess that was. Yeah, I, I like that he threw you a bone. Help out with that one, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> he should do that next time. Is just like uh, you know who's who's so and so's wife, who's you know Nick Way's wife. What's Nick Way's? Uh, you know what would be funny? He could just ask us all the same questions that he asked us the last time and compare our answers. Because I guarantee you, it, it, it could be the same or worse. I could know less or more than <laughs> I knew that time. I have no idea. Right. That's good. Yeah. That's funny. That's it, why I wanted to review the. Race results i said if i could just learn some 250 guys names maybe if they ask me who's on pro circuit i could at least guess some names that i knew right. and i still couldn't come up with anybody uh it's, it's <laughs> good Forkner. so yeah i just whatever i know that it's funny that people probably yeah laugh about it so yeah, yeah I, I always just go back to big air and how funny that was <laughs> and yeah so I, i'll always laugh at that good stuff why would you want to talk, re-talk about the pulp show 